Pray with me, church. Father God, even when we have to offer a sacrifice of praise, we will do so because you're good, you're God, and we are thankful. Even when there is pain in the offering, you tell us in everything Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. You tell us to bless you at all times, and that your praise shall continually be in our mouths. You are good all the time, and all the time you are good, even when things are bad, even when things hurt. And I know it doesn't make sense to people well, on the outside looking in. But for those of us who know you and who are known by you, you're able to give us a joy unspeakable and a peace that surpasses our understanding because of the help of the Holy Spirit, the one who indwells us, the one who strengthens us, comforts us, and keeps us. How would we know of your power if we would not go through things that would take us to the brink of our human power. Thank you that you're a very present help in our time of need and that you will never ever leave us nor forsake us. Now, Lord, as we speak about the Holy Spirit this morning, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, that he would be the one who would teach us and he would be the one who would illuminate the scriptures to our hearts and to our minds and then give us the desire and the ability to live them out. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be here. We get to gather in the church, in the sanctuary, in your house this morning. Continue to fill the temple with your presence. Thank you for every tear that has been shed, for every heart that has been touched. And now, Lord, for every mind that will be transformed. For it's in Jesus' name that I ask it all. Amen. Amen. If you are watching online or here with us for the first time, we're in a new series we started last week on the Holy Spirit. And it's our desire to commune with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit for the next several weeks because some of us come from backgrounds where the Holy Spirit is referred to as an it, a thing, a force. But no, the Holy Spirit is a person to be known and not a force to be feared. And so as we tap into this resident power that is in these jars of clay, may God do great works in our lives like never before. So today the message is entitled, The Promise of the Holy Spirit. The Promise of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we briefly covered a few chapters in John, mainly John chapter 14, as Jesus said that the helper is coming who is the spirit of truth. And today we're going to go into the promise of the Holy Spirit. None of us in this room 
can live life without spending time in a waiting room. None of us can live life without spending time in a waiting room. When you go to the doctor's office, you're going to spend some time in a waiting room. And depending upon what you're going to the doctor for may weigh on your mindset as you are waiting in the waiting room to see the doctor. If you are in an emergency and they end up taking you to the emergency room, depending upon the condition you come in, they may place the patient in the waiting room in the emergency room. As you're holding your loved one, blood, or you know, keep it from gushing, or something is wrong with your body, and you're in the waiting room at the emergency room, and depending upon what hospital you're in and what part of town it is, you might have a long wait in the waiting room. If you go to the dentist, you're going to spend time in the waiting room. If you go to get your car repaired, you're going to spend time in the waiting room. And as we're going to see in a moment, there's nothing like praying in a waiting room, especially if you don't know how much their bill is going to be when they come back and tell you what's going on with your car. Everybody's going to spend time in a waiting room. If you go to a bank to get a loan, you're going to spend some time in the waiting room waiting for the loan officer to come out. And if you, like me, in high school, you acted up every now and then and had to go to the principal's office, you had to wait for the principal in the waiting room, which was really in the middle of the office when your friends walked by and saw you in trouble. They laughed at you through the window, but you were waiting for the principal to come out that room and tell you what was going on. If you've ever been on some kind of phone call with a company, you had to call them about your internet service going down. You had to call them about your cable going down. You had to call them about this, call them about that. Chances are they're going to put you on hold, which means you are on a, a portable waiting room. And, and, and some of them will, will, will help you and tell you, you are the fifth in line. <laughs> they may even play some music, some elevator music to help you as you wait for that person to come and take your call. And when you go to an airport, you go to a thing called the gate. You go to the gate so that you can get on your plane to go. And if your plane is late coming in, you're going to be late going out. So your gate becomes a waiting room. And sometimes those delays can be for hours. Now, Darina and I were in the airport not long ago and we were flying Southwest Airlines and we had to walk by a section uh, where the Spirit Airlines folks were. <laughs> y'all laugh because y'all know what's going on with Spirit Airlines. And so as we're walking by, they had been waiting so long for their flight to come that we saw people not only with blankets and huddled up and everything, there were people sleeping on the floor. I mean, not just one, not just two, but families on the floor. And I'm like, man, make a note. Do not fly Spirit Airlines. No deal is that good. 
And as I think about what I want to talk about today, they were in the upper room, the disciples, waiting on the Spirit to come. The upper room where we left the disciples last week after Jesus had washed their feet and began to teach them about the kingdom and teach them about the Holy Spirit. At the end of Luke, Luke chapter 24, Jesus tells them, stay in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Stay, wait in Jerusalem. So when we come to Acts chapter 1, I'll begin reading at verse 1 as we talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is saying help is on the way. Help is coming. The Spirit is coming. Wait for him. Tarry for him. It says in verse 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he tells them to wait. And God has been impressing upon many of us, if not all of us, at some point to wait on him. Don't, don't leave. Don't run. Don't resort to your own uh, understanding and your own resources. Wait on me. Now, the Bible lets us know that Jesus had been appearing on the earth after his resurrection for a space of 40 days. So he would come and speak to the disciples as they were in the upper room. And the Bible lets us know over in verse 15 that there were about 120 disciples after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, about 120 who were meeting together in this upper room. Now, remember when Jesus had sent two disciples out to get the upper room, the Bible says that it was a large room and it happened to be furnished. So not only did he spend his final moments on that Thursday with the disciples, uh, introducing them to the new covenant and teaching them about the Holy Spirit, this would be the same room that they would come together and galvanize together and meet together. And Jesus at times would just appear in the midst in the room as if he walked through the wall. And one time when he appears to them, really the first time, they're looking at him in amazement and they think he's a ghost. And he says to them, touch me because a ghost does not have flesh 
like I have. Go ahead and touch me. And by the way, do you have any food here? And they gave him some fried fish. I mean, some broiled fish. <laughs> Hooked him up with a little something, something with some hot sauce. Hooked Jesus up. And so he tells them, stay. And he tells them, wait. So he then ascends, as we're going to see a little bit later in Acts 1. So they have to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when he tells them to wait, don't miss this strong tower. He doesn't tell them how long they have to wait. He just says, you're going to wait many days. Now, when we read the Bible, we know that the days in which they waited, 40 while he was on the earth with them, and then 10 once he ascended. Because the Holy Spirit would come on the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after Passover. Jesus died on Passover weekend, was resurrected on Passover weekend. So they waited for 50 days total for the Holy Spirit to come. And he came at a time when the Jews celebrated the harvest coming in. So that was what Pente, 50, celebrating the harvest. And the Holy Spirit would come and do such a work in their lives that there would be a harvest of 3,000 people coming to Jesus Christ because the 120 in the upper room had been endued and endowed with power to go out and be a witness for Jesus in Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit began to move through the group. But before we get there, before we start shouting, we, we got to go back to these 120 people in this upper room who are now in a waiting room as they're trying to understand what God is up to now. Well, here's the main idea for today. Since God kept his promise to send the Holy Spirit to the church, he will surely keep every promise he's made to you and to me. Because he sent the promised one, and God sent him to the believers, making them the body of Christ, the church, don't you think he's going to keep his promises towards you? One promise he made is peace. Don't you think he's going to give you peace? Another promise he made is, I will be with you always, his presence. Don't you think he's going to be with you? Matter of fact, he's never left you. He keeps his promise. And that he's going to give you provision, what you need. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in heaven. But here's the thing. Yes, God provided the Holy Spirit for the church and he will provide for us but just like with the church, the early believers, he didn't tell them how long they had to wait for the promise to come. In other words, God is rarely early. He's never late, but he's always right on time. God will come through on time, but it's going to be in his time. I know somebody doesn't like that because you think God is a cosmic bellhop that just jumps at your beck and call. No, God is God. He, he's good. He, he does look to the low, down to the lowly. Thank God for that. But don't think, don't ever get it twisted that because you can talk to the Father in Jesus' name that you can make God do what you want him to do. A lot of prayer is us adjusting our will to God's will. 
So sometimes when we get into his presence, we need to be quiet and let the spirit speak to us so that when we pray, we're praying in the spirit according to the will of God and not just jumping in with a grocery list about what we want, when we want, how we want it. My God, his ways are a whole lot higher than our ways. His thoughts are a whole lot higher than our thoughts. And so can I trust him while I wait on him? And can I trust him if he comes through in a way and in a time that I did not expect it? Oh my, waiting is a good thing. So let's learn a couple of things from these folks who had to wait on the promise to come. First thing I want you to see is that waiting on God gave these 120 disciples time to process everything. So Jesus says, I want you to wait. So, 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 Lord, what's one of the reasons you want them to wait? I, I, I want y'all to process what y'all have been through. Y'all have just been through some trauma. Trauma. Pastor Chris, what are you talking about? They've been with Jesus, their darling Lord and Savior. The one who says, I'm calling you friends now. You're no longer servants. Uh, they, they had been with him, and then all of a sudden, he gets arrested and he gets brutally beaten to the point that he is unrecognizable. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said that they harmed Jesus so much that it was unlike any other human in human history, how they beat him so badly. And not only that, they, 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 they crucified him and did all those terrible and dastardly things to his body. And so, so, so all of that, that's trauma to not only see him suffer like that, but then to die. That's trauma. That's trauma. That's trauma. And so they have to process trauma. But thank God he rose again from the grave, turning their sorrow into joy when they saw him. But they were still struggling with the fact, is that really you? And that's why he said, go ahead and touch me. He knew their minds was playing tricks on them because they had never seen anything like that before. So waiting in the upper room gave them time to talk about what they saw, what they felt. And then a little bit later, they're going to watch some angels come. And Jesus is going to ascend to heaven on a cloud. Now, I know we think we have seen this stuff every day. Now, now, you need time to process what you just saw. So not only did you see Jesus go through that, but, it, but then again, two angels are going to show up. Your head, you're looking up, and then all of a sudden they start talking to you. Uh, don't be afraid. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I'm looking up at him, and now here y'all are talking. And y'all say, this same Jesus who went up this way is going to come back down this way. Wow, that is a lot to process. And they're probably thinking he's going to come back down in our lifetime. Just like every generation of believers have believed that he's going to come back in my lifetime. But God has times and seasons, which he says a little bit later. Don't worry about when I'm coming back. I just need you to get busy until I come back. And so there's a lot to process. And they also had to process the fact that one of their own Judas betrayed Jesus. And watch this. None of them knew that Judas was the betrayer until he showed up in the garden with the mob 
and gave Jesus this kiss to identify. They didn't know. So when Judas got up during the Passover, they're thinking he's going out to help the poor or buy some things that they need. He's been fooling them so well for three and a half years that they have no idea that the betrayer is in their midst. Jesus said in John 6, have I not chosen you the 12 and one of y'all is the devil? They didn't know which one was the devil in the group. That's traumatic when a friend of yours not only falls away from Jesus, but they're turning on Jesus. That's trauma. And a lot of times God says, I need you to be in the waiting room because I need you to process what you have been through. Because if I bring the blessing on you prematurely, you might not be able to handle it because you haven't taken time to healthily think about what you've been through that has hurt you. Or think about the people that have hurt you. You might need time to be still and know that God is God. Processing, processing. Waiting allows us to process, to think, to ponder. Not only that, Waiting in the upper room here allowed them to come up with a plan to replace Judas. So while you're waiting, you got to start strategizing, okay? We're not running ahead of God. We're operating on the revelation that God has given us. And so they know that in the word, it talks about replacing one of the 12 apostles. There were 11 of them now. But they said, we, we got to get this back to a, a, a dozen. And so let, 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 let's go through a process in order to replace Judas. So waiting on God gave the 120 disciples time to process everything. But secondly, waiting on God gave the 120 disciples time to get back on one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They had to get back on one accord. Because don't you know that God rarely will bless a mess? God loves to bless unity. Not uniformity, but unity in the body of Christ, where our differences can be celebrated as we recognize that Jesus is Lord over all of us. But they had to get back on one accord before the Holy Spirit could come. So that was some stuff they had to do because in order to get back on one accord, that means y'all were in some discord. You see, there was some discord between the apostles. Pastor Chris, what you talking about? I'm here to say that on the Thursday before Jesus is arrested and is crucified and tried on Friday, on that Thursday, they're arguing with each other about which one of them is the greatest. Okay, okay. These guys are human, which means they're fallen. Uh, they're with Jesus, but they're still jacked up. Anybody else qualify? Yes, we all do. And so they had these worldly ambitions. Matter of fact, one of them's mama, well, two of them's mama, James and John came up to Jesus saying, I know you're about to die, but can my boys sit on your right and on your left in your kingdom? How insensitive that must have been. And I can see Peter being hot as fish grease because his mama didn't think of it first. <laughs> They're jockeying for position over the others. And so, so there's discord between them. 
But not only that, there was discord between the apostles and the women. Pastor, what, what, what you talking about, Pastor? Well, remember when Jesus got up on early Sunday morning. The first person and first people he appeared to was Mary and the women. Jesus appeared to women first. Do you think that was a mistake? Absolutely not. There was a purpose in that because Jesus is all about promoting his diverse kingdom of honoring women in a culture where women were not always honored. So he honored women by appearing to women first and then told them to go and tell the apostles that he had risen and where to meet him at. He gave them instructions. In other words, he gave them authority to teach the men. He gave them power to proclaim or preach the gospel to the men. Thank God for women who are empowered by God to teach not only women, not only children, but the body of Christ. No, I wish I could stop there for a second because we got a lot of churches and believers who don't believe women have anything to say to the body or that they're not qualified to talk to the body because of one verse that may be poorly and improperly translated out of Timothy's epistle. And they say, no, women can't teach here at the church. Matter of fact, she can't even walk behind the pulpit here at the church. Uh, uh, she can teach the children. Time out. Which Sunday do you think was the most important Sunday? The Sunday that Jesus got up from the dead or the Sunday where you're starting your new uh, series at your church? Uh, uh, let, 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 me, let me say no, because you didn't get it. Let, let me try this side. Uh, 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 do you think the Sunday Jesus got up and told women to go preach, that Sunday is more important than your Sunday here in 2023 where you don't believe women can preach to men? I think that Sunday is more important. And somehow you'd have missed the spirit of the Bible and, and, and began to get back into this male hierarchical chauvinistic kind of theology that doesn't believe that women have something to say. So I'm coming down the street right here because when Jesus, well, let me back up. When the women told the men that Jesus had risen, the Bible says they didn't believe them. Then when Jesus shows up in his resurrected state, the Bible says he rebukes them for not listening to the women. So you tell me, you tell me what, who, who Jesus is for and what Jesus is about. There are a whole lot of men today that need to be rebuked because they won't listen to the word of God from women. Yeah, we could get a better clap than that. I'll say something better later. They had problems. They had to work on their relationships. And they also had discord within themselves, man. The Bible says, where do wars come from? They come from within us. They, they, they had issues inside. What were those issues? They denied Jesus. All of them said, we will not deny you. Not just Peter. All of them said that. Peter just went on and talked more and more about it. No, Lord, I, I ain't going to do it. Uh-uh. Jesus had to say to him, well, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny three times that you know me. So they all denied him. And let's go back to the cross. 
who was at the cross. John came by for a minute, but it was the women at the cross who didn't deny Jesus publicly. It was the dudes who ran. So they're dealing with the guilt of this. They, they did not stand up for the one who stood up for them constantly, every day. When the Pharisees would come, Jesus is standing up for them. He's standing up with them. And when they have that opportunity to stand up for Jesus, when Jesus needs help, they run. They're dealing with that within themselves. So there's time in the upper room to deal with the discord. There's time in the upper room to heal now, 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 let me put this in here. There's stuff that we can do in our strength, and there's stuff we can only do in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And even the stuff we do in our strength is strength that God gives us. So I don't want anybody to try to be anal with me and say, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. What I'm saying is this. They had a responsibility to get unified before the Holy Spirit came. But we got believers who got the Holy Spirit and still won't get unified because we in the way messing stuff up. <laughs> so, so, so do what y'all can do. Work that mess out in your family. The stuff, the grudges we hold in. We're keeping a record of wrong with family members and church members and, and we're not unified. And here's the thing. God works best in unity. The devil works best in disunity. But the devil got enough sense that to know that his kingdom ain't divided against itself because they got agendas and things they got to do. So devils and demons work together. But saints and Christians and churches, we can't work together. Talking about we want the Holy Ghost. Show me evidence you got the Holy Ghost by coming together. Oh, my God. Forgive. Let it go. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. They had to work some stuff out. But then thirdly and finally, waiting on God gave all of them, all 120, time to pray together. There it is right there, verse 12 of chapter 1. Are you with me? Then they returned to Jerusalem. This is after Jesus ascends into heaven. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, which is about a quarter of a mile and when they had entered, they went up into the what? Upper room where they were staying. They're just not coming in there every now and then. They're staying there. And some of it is because they are in a minority in the midst of a hostile city and environment where Jesus has just been killed. And their question and wonder is, are they going to try to come and kill us too because we were identified with him? And so they're staying together because there's strength in numbers. Even though there's a few of them and he fed thousands and helped thousands of people, but right here there's a remnant, only a few are together, and they are staying together. Then we see the naming of the apostles, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Oh, they, they got things right with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. They're together. Remember, Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him 
while he walked the earth. But after he had died and resurrected, them dudes became believers in their brother being the Lord. And so they're with mama, all the women. So, so it's a diverse group in this upper room who did their part as best they could to get on one accord. But I love the fact that they were praying and interceding together. They just weren't getting together talking strategies of church growth. They just weren't getting together talking about how can we raise the offering. They just weren't getting together talking about stuff. No, they were talking to the Lord together. They were praying. They were interceding. And when you start praying, when you get into the presence of God, He'll help you process all the trauma you've been through. When you get into the presence of God, he'll help you work out the discord you may have with other people. Because it's hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying with. Oh, I said something right there. It's hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying for. So, yeah, Peter and John may have had this competition thing going on, but man, praying together, as they pour out their heart before God, you hear their heart. You resonate with their heart. They hear your heart. They resonate with your heart. And we're all praying together. Man, it brings folks together. Prayer, prayer, prayer. The most important thing the church can do is pray. Now, here's the blessing. Here's the blessing. At some point, you and I will go from waiting on the blessing to walking in the blessing. Again, they don't know when the Spirit is coming. We know because we're reading the book. But they're praying, and the Holy Spirit is going to show up. And Isaiah 60, verse 22, in the New Living Translation says, At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. At the right time, I will make it happen. So if it hasn't happened yet, it's not the right time. But in chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, the Holy Spirit comes. And he baptizes the church into the body of Jesus Christ. And they're filled with the Spirit. They're speaking in other languages as the Spirit gives them utterance. But they just didn't keep that power and that joy in the upper room. They went out into the streets and began proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. So once the disciples received who they were waiting on, their sorrow turned into joy. Matter of fact, look at Acts 2, verse 2 as I close. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter is going to preach in the next chapter, or later in that chapter, because people are going to say, they got so much joy that they must be drunk. Peter says, <clears throat> brothers and sisters, they're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. They're not hitting a bottle at 9 in the morning. This is what Joel talked about. That God says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your men and your women. On your men servants and your maid servants. On the young and the old. In other words, the spirit is going to do a work that brings 
gender, male and female together. He's going to do a work that's going to bring rich and poor together, men's service and maid service. He's going to do a work that's going to bring classes and, and, and cultures together. The Holy Spirit, he, he's doing a work. So what you see is what was prophesied by Job. Well, how long ago did Job prophesy? 900 years before it happened. And it's finally happening now. They waited 50 days. Joel had to wait 900 years. So let me ask you, how long you been waiting? How long you been waiting? Oh my. As we wait on God to fulfill his promises, let us learn from the 120. Take time to process what you've been through. Do your best to get on one accord with other people. And you can only get on one accord with people who have a mindset, a burden in a heart to get on one accord with you. If they don't want to get on one accord with you, you can't make them get on one accord. So that's when you shake the dust off and you move on. But at least it won't be said that you didn't try and extend the olive branch. Because again, God works best through unity. But then while you're waiting on God, always take time to pray. But a lot of times when we're waiting, we're whining. We're telling everybody else what we're waiting on. And, yeah. Have you talked to God? Been praying? You know, every now and then I like to order things online. Because I like coming home, seeing a package on my front porch sometimes. Make me feel good. Me and eBay, me and eBay, we, we, we got a thing going on. I, I probably got a couple other eBay junkies in here, too. eBay, man, they're, they're dependable. So I order books off eBay. And when you order books off eBay, they'll say to me, your order has been processed. And then they'll even tell you when to expect your order to come. It's going to be there on September whatever. And then eBay got the nerve <laughs> that they'll let you know that your package is out for delivery in your neighborhood. And because eBay tells you that we heard you, we processed your order, it's going to arrive on this date. Matter of fact, it's out in transit, out for delivery. You start getting happy because of eBay. But can I close by saying, forget eBay. Can I talk about what he say? <laughs> I said, you didn't hear me. I, I know what eBay, yeah, but what about he say? He say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. He say, God makes everything beautiful in its time. He say, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord, and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He say, he say, all things work together for good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. He say, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus came on time and the blessing, the promise that we need from God will come on time because when he says something, he will do what he says. But when we wait on him, would you stand with me, please? And I just want to know 
someone may be weary, you've been waiting on the Lord. It's been a long time. The woman with the issue of blood waited 12 years. Another woman he delivered was in a situation for about 30 years. And there was a man born blind who was a grown man. And some of us have been in some stuff for a while. God, I've been waiting for healing. I've been waiting for provision. Lord, I've been waiting not just for something. Some of us said, I've been waiting for someone. I've been waiting for a baby to be born. I've been waiting for a mate, a spouse. I've been waiting, waiting for a job, God. As I close in prayer, would you say, Pastor Chris, would you pray for me as I'm in a waiting season? Folk won't get back to me. I, I'm waiting to see God come through. Pastor Chris, would you pray for me? I'm in a waiting season. Would you just raise your hand? I'm in a waiting season. I'm in a waiting season. Keep that hand up. Father, here we are. <laughs> we know you know. We know you care. We know you're going to come through because we have a track record with you. And when you cause us to wait, it's not because you're being cruel. It's that you want us to grow. To the point where we don't even focus so much on the thing or the one we're waiting on because somehow it got lost in the priority of who you are. And you shifted us in the midst of the waiting season. Lord, I don't know, but may the waiting not be wasted. May we not grumble. May we not complain. May we not murmur. May we not lose hope, give up, and turn away all that stuff, God. Help us, Lord, to be like the early disciples and to wait on you because the joy is coming. So, Lord, bless those with hands up. Bless those. Do specific things blessings for them. As you said, you know every hair on every head. That means you're a God of specificity. So Lord, would you come through specifically for your people? And Father God, in the name of Jesus, dare I say this week, today, whether that is this peace, this provision, uh, uh, this prosperity that some of us may need, uh, whatever it might be, Father, would you Give your children that fish instead of a snake. Would you give them that bread instead of a stone? Will they trust you? And so, God, we leave this place, but never from your presence. We thank you that you're a good God. You're the only God. And to you, we say thank you, praise you, and amen. Amen, amen. Would you give God a hand praise? Would you just give him one? Just, just a little bit. Lord, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. You're so good. Ah. Well, you have a wonderful day. Go forth and let your light shine and encourage someone about the Lord. Amen. Have a good day.